Hello, my friends. Welcome to the podcast of the nerd. <clears throat> I'm Ian. Happy February. Um, why does my audio sound weird? Does it sound weird to you? I don't know. Levels look fine. We'll just go with it. Uh, uh, well, that was a little loud. Things are weird in Colorado. It was 70 degrees yesterday, and now it's snowing. Did I just open up with an, a weather report? Anyway, um, today on the today on the docket, uh, we're going to be talking. I'm going to give you an update on the 2020 resolutions. Um, I want to uh, put out a quick word about uh, the Patreon hangouts that we've been having that I I stream to the channel. Uh, today, I solicited on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, the YouTube community page for questions that um, people might be interested that I discuss on today's podcast. That's actually one of the reasons why I'm recording a little bit later today, was I wanted to give people a chance to um, see those posts and leave questions if they wanted to, which is going to run into Twitch stream time, but that's okay. And uh, I've been having this weird thought about settling been grappling with, um, you know, you and I talk, right? We talk about things and stuff. And uh, by way of... I've just been thinking about the boat behavior. And uh, uh, the year-end wrap-up is rather, uh, you know, taxes are recurring and working on these goals for next year and stuff like that. I've been... My mind has been... Um, chewing on something that I thought I would talk to you about. And then after that, I want to roll a new Saturday Adventure of the Nerd using a random number generator um, to pick a random page from my Lonely Planet Colorado guidebook. So far, we've done two. This will be the third one. And there's always a chance that uh, Colorado's a big state. And so far, I've gotten pretty lucky with the rolls. But, uh, you know, Telluride and Mesa Verde are seven-hour drives from here. And there's always a chance I'm going to roll one of those these days. So let's hope it's not today, because I will be going. And after that, we're going to end with the fanfic reading. Uh, chapter 7 of Here is Gone by Terry Boda. Um... The time code links for all of this are in the show notes or the description if you want to skip around. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions. It's February, and I thought I would check in with you, my accountability buddy, uh, on how the New Year's resolutions I set up on uh, December, the last December podcast are going. I'm still not sure what the best approach to this is. There were a lot of items on that list. And maybe tackling one area in a segment per podcast might be better than uh, me going through the whole list like this. I don't know. Um, also, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's just see how it goes. Um, anyway, in order to expedite the list, uh, I have grouped them as going well or not going well. The good list and the naughty list. So let's start with the good list because I like starting with the good news. Um 
So I had some fitness goals. To that end, I've signed up for the uh, Boulder Boulder, which is a 10K uh, run in May, and I've been using that as a training structure, or rather a... Um, you know the carrot on the a goal a carrot on the horizon to kind of move move towards. I have not run uh, in January. I didn't run less than twice in a week, um, usually three or four, and I'm feeling stronger. Um, I'm using a very gentle training program to go easy on my forty year old knees uh, that do object uh, strenuously the next day. Lots of creaks. Trying to do some stretching. I just bought some ice packs to uh, kind of keep them down. But the, um, you know, the, I don't know what, I don't know physics, but um, whatever the impact of is of the weight that I'm carrying on knees and ankles, um, you know, the last thing that I want to do is injure myself uh, in this attempt. So I'm trying to be very ginger, um, you know, and it's working. <coughs> Uh, a lot of times I'll do uh, one minute of running, two minutes of walking after I've done the main training run. And the goal is just to keep my heart rate up, burn some calories, and, um, you know, keep things moving in the right direction. Alcohol. I was aiming to start the year with a dry 60 days. Uh, those of you who were watching the Patreon Hangout uh, live stream know that that didn't happen. Uh, I instead hit a dry 30 days. Uh, before having some, or let's say too much, I don't want to call myself a professional drinker, more semi-pro, uh, wine with Jess this weekend while we were breaking the shindig script. Um, yeah, there's not much to say about that. We're planning on doing a Bad Decisions Bloody Valentine's Day stream this month uh, on the 15th, so that will be another exception, but I'm not planning on any others. And the reason why is the weight loss. The weight loss is working. Uh... You know, at the end of last year, I just started to feel unhealthy. Uh, I'd been unhealthy for a long time, but I started to feel unhealthy. And, you know, we've talked about it. What with the age and all of that. Uh, you know, I just decided to have a go. Um, so I went dry for January, started running and intermittent fasting with an eight-hour eating window during the day. In January, I lost 15 pounds which sounds incredible until taking to, into account that I am six foot three, that's 190 centimeters, uh, was pushing 300 in December or 21 stone. I'm happy with the number. The line is moving in the proper direction, but uh, there's still a long way to go. So I'm trying to have an eye on the uh, destination. And again, um, I just want to say we all have our own baggage when it comes to food, weight, wine, and alcohol. So just know that when I talk about these things, I'm not offering you advice or suggesting you do anything similar to me. For instance, one thing I've found very helpful for me personally is to weigh myself first thing in the morning every morning. Now, as I understand it, that's pretty much a cardinal sin when it comes to weight loss. But for me... Um, I find it's been kind of like looking at my bank balance in the morning and sort of calibrating my thoughts about, okay, well, I'm going to hit the, the trail today and go running and, um, uh, the window is from this time to this time and I'm going to eat at this time and so forth. To me, it's a, it's, it's, it's not a measure of quality or, or appearance or anything like that. It's a score, 
Um, and it's a score that is subject to things like my metabolism and hydration levels, all of which are fickle beasts. But um, knowing the number for me is uh, carrot and stick. It's uh, structure. And, um, you know, during January, I, I think the longest plateau uh, was about five days where it was less than half a pound up or down. And then, you know, I dropped two pounds at the end and it stayed off. So don't do what I'm doing. Uh, the best diet is the one that you are capable of sustaining. So um, I'm not preaching any of this for anyone else but myself. Uh, another goal, finish five story-driven games this year. Bit of an odd one, but I found uh, my particular variety of neurotic makes it very difficult for me to relax and unwind properly. Um, I love narrative games, but didn't play a single one last year, so I've started streaming on Twitch. Every, um, the goal is streaming on Monday and Thursday, but it has been subject to uh, whether this podcast is done or, um, you know, if this ends up getting preempted uh, to finish a video, then I do the same thing for the Twitch stream. Uh, and I was thinking about that today uh, because... This outline got particularly long. There's a lot of stuff I want to share with you. And um, I just kind of thought that's that's the old trap. That's the mistake is not taking care of health and wellness, but doing uh, uh, letting work dictate everything else as opposed to treating everything equally. I don't preempt a run uh, because a video is late. The run takes equal, should take equal... Um, precedent uh, in my life as work, barring very rare exceptions, of course, uh, because my health is just as important as my job. So I think there's some, I think I'm still a little in the old habits of last year when it comes to this kind of thing that I need to work around. And, you know, if the podcast is late, let it be late. And uh, if a video is late, then it's late. But uh, not, not to preempt everything else. But anyway, um, started streaming on Twitch. The goal is every Monday and Thursday. Um, I've been saying that after making my hobby my job, I needed a new hobby. Um, well, apparently, this is it for now. Um, well, we finished a replay of one of my favorite games of all time, The Last of Us, and its prequel Left Behind on stream, and we're currently playing through Life is Strange 2 which I was very struggling with for the first two episodes, but we finished the third episode last week. And things got a lot more interesting, so um, I think I may do a late stream tonight just because. Anyway, that's twitch.tv slash thepassionofthenerd if you're interested. Uh, and then there were a number of goals related to the channel, financial podcast, van numbers. On the whole, I think things in relation to the channel are going well. No Place Like Home ended up a couple of days late for reasons I talked about in the previous podcast, but still uh, nothing on par with the um, creative and emotional drought that I experienced at the end of 2019. Weird thing about van numbers, which we've talked about, is hitting 100,000 subs is really going to be neither here nor there for the moment. As I mentioned, most of the subscriber growth last year came off two videos, and they weren't episode guides, which means that even though Lonnie and I have ended Nerd Chipper, 
or it's on a long-term hiatus uh, for now. Uh, I'm not going to be able to neglect diversifying channel content this year, nor would I want to. So there's a top 10 in the works that uh, uh, the target would be later in the summer for the release. And there's another video I've had in mind uh, that I've been trying to work up the guts to write for a long time, which might be this year. I'm not sure that I would want that video to be that trafficked, but we shall see. Uh, usually the ideas come. All right, the naughty list. Uh, meditation, as it has historically, this goal has fallen victim to stretches of personal success and productivity. When I am struggling and, uh, uh, you know, up in my head and feeling super anxious more so than normal, meditation's easy. Uh, yeah, let's sit down, get it done, let's uh, meditate. But when things are kind of rolling along, it's, uh, it's uh, less so. Although I, I, this podcast was so late in the day, I actually did uh, do a Uper session before this. <coughs> Excuse me, dating, online dating, blurg. Um, I don't know. The best, the best I can say about that one is I'm currently engaging myself in an ongoing conversation about it. Thanks to you, my accountability buddy. Uh, which, at the very least, is more proactive than things have been. You know, the couple of times I've engaged, I've just noticed weird, not cool behaviors. It's, I'm not going to complain about online dating in this podcast. I've done that in previous podcasts. But, for instance, I did notice, uh, you know, I was sitting there swiping through and trying to decide whether or not to send this woman a message and then I swiped onto, or I looked at a particular picture of hers. And because now, give me a minute here. I'm not sharing this with you as a positive thing. I'm sharing this with you as a guilty admission of stupidity. Because of her hairstyle in a particular picture, I went, nah, and started to swipe away. And then I caught myself. If you're watching the visual version of this on YouTube, uh, you're, you're fully present to the ridiculousness of someone like me criticizing anyone for their hairstyle. And I was like, what? I'm not that guy in person. Uh, you know, I, 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 I try and be compassionate and kind and, you know, actively combat my own cynicism and all of that, uh, wherever I find it. But in the medium, in this, this sort of medium of swipey swipe, 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 uh, I, I, I think what I was doing was looking for any reason not to have to send a message. And so if you dial the picky up, to 11, you can find something wrong with anyone. And no, of course I wouldn't want someone to do that with me. I don't do that to people in person. It was this uh, kind of subconscious defense mechanism that was occurring because I was like, Ugh, I don't want to cold, it's cold calls. You know, anyone who's ever had to do, to do cold calls, it's cold calls. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm weeding stuff out. Um, it's moving. It's uh, embarrassing, and that was a shameful admission. But, uh, you know, I must make allowances for my own humanity. 
um, and sort of guilt and self-flagellation are not good methods for getting rid of that kind of thing. It's just like, okay, there's the behavior, acknowledge it, and now um, let's do something healthy and kind. Um, reading, 10 books a year, and uh, 10 books this year. I have not started. 10 books, 10. Stephanie wants to read 50. 10, and I haven't even started. Um, I have the first book picked out. It's Felicia Day's book, Embrace Your Weird. Uh, goal now is done by the end of the month. I really enjoyed her biography two years ago. I, I very much identify with her uh, anxiety struggles. If you're a person um, who feels like they're, you know, someone who struggles with anxiety uh, on a regular basis and is creatively motivated and tries to get stuff done, I highly recommend her previous book, uh, You're Never Strange on the Internet, I believe it's called. Um, she also did an audio version of it that I listened to, and having Felicia Day read to you her book was uh, spectacular. So definitely recommend those two things. And the last goal was to write a novel this year. As with the 10 books... This goal is currently nowhere, except that I've lined up a guest for the next podcast who has agreed to be my writing coach for the year, and we'll do a um, quarterly check-in. So here, we're starting next week. We're going to talk about starting from scratch. I have one idea, but mo basically no ideas. I'm not someone who fancies himself a novelist either. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's my Everest. It's... Uh, it's something that I would like to personally accomplish because it's something I would like to personally accomplish. And so I'm going to present her with that information and uh, ask her for tips and tricks in getting started and um, best practices and what to have done uh, before she and I meet again in three months. So if you're interested in that, that will be a week from today. All right, so there's one thing that everything on the naughty list shares in common, and that is that I just do not have the habits in place to sustain any of them. Um, and, uh, you know, in fairness to myself, <laughs> I've bitten off a lot this year. I mean, between the health goals and uh, channel and normal sustaining things and all of that, you know, it was a relatively ambitious list, and it was supposed to be. Um, the podcast has been a great way of uh, engaging with you guys and, and sort of building in some of that personal accountability for those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, it's a pretty big list. So I'm not punishing myself. Um, but... Short of a brute force approach to each one of these, I think if I can uh, build one uh, specific habit in February, uh, I can affect all of them simultaneously. So here's the idea. With the intermittent fasting I've been doing this month, I've fallen into a terrible habit of not setting my alarm, sleeping in until it's about time to get up to eat, uh, and then I get to work afterwards. No, I haven't been setting my alarm. I try and control my wake-up time by when I go to bed. Yes, it is awesome, and I highly recommend everybody do this for periods of their lives. Alarms are evil. But in the case of uh, the naughty list, it could be helpful. So for February, I'm going to try setting my alarm 
two and a half hours before uh, the intermittent fasting window opens up, blocking off two hours in the calendar to sit and work on those goals before the first meal. Try and get a little momentum going during the day. So, all right, that's enough of the New Year's resolutions. Um, before we get into the Q&A, I just wanted to um, say a quick word about the Patreon Hangouts. So, <clears throat> this is not an advertisement, by the way, I promise. Uh, over on Patreon, the $5 uh, donation level, the, the, the bonus is that every two weeks now... Um, people who donate at that level are can join a video conference with me where we discuss and usually jack but um get home soon my baby boy where we discuss an episode of angel and an episode of buffy um i call it our bangel book club and i've chosen to stream those hangouts on the youtube channel because i've walked away from most of them with a thought or perspective about the episodes we're discussing that I would have wanted to share with the community anyway. But I think I need to start making a point before each of those, and that is that most people who join the Hangout are not writers or public speakers or YouTubers. And uh, for the purposes of our little book club, they shouldn't have to be. Uh, it takes an incredible amount of courage and guts to jump on a public live stream and subject themselves and their opinions to the scrutiny of a live audience. Now, mostly, <coughs> this is a kind and compassionate community. Um, I receive a somewhat low din of negative and terrible comments from people passing through the YouTube channel, but that is not representative of the um, group of people who subscribe to and follow the content that I create. But um, if anyone in the stream chat ever takes the bravery of the people who are joining for granted, uh, I will ban them from being able to comment on the channel ever again. These discussions are public for the benefit of anyone who is not a patron, uh, but would care to listen along. <clears throat> but I will always reserve the right to make them private again, uh, to make the people joining more comfortable. So please, uh, be kind and understand what this is. And please give uh, the people who decide to show up and be there and have those conversations. The due respect, or the respect that they are due. Um, that's all I want to say about that. And um, I've been thinking that I probably need a little preamble before those streams, and that will probably be it. All right, let's do some Q&A. I solicited questions from Twitter, uh, the Facebook fan page, and the community page of the main channel. I'm trying this out to see um, if, you know, the, this is interesting for you guys, if um, there, there's some benefit in the direct exchange uh, for the podcast. Might make this a thing once a month. Um, there were more questions than I had a chance to get to and still keep the podcast at an hour, which also still seems unlikely. But if I didn't get to yours, thank you for asking. 
Um, and I may still next month, especially if we do this as a regular thing. Uh, late Paul on YouTube asks, I know you've said in the past that you've gotten more out of some episodes once you've had a, uh, to do a guide about them. Is the reverse ever true? Ever feel like you lost your love or enjoyment of an episode having analyzed it? I did a close rewatching of a few episodes for a thing recently and thought, gee, I found a way to make something fun into a chore. <coughs> uh, Paul, the answer is yes. Um, typically, what it, uh, uh, the ones that jumped to mind immediately uh, were Hush, uh, which I think is a is incredible. It's a it's a um, a high concept artistic exercise. It's beautifully shot. I love the soundtrack. I mean, it's wonderful. But um, by virtue of the characters not having much to say uh, for through the course of the episode, there isn't as much fodder for conversation or examination as what I like to do in the videos. Um, the you know the I try and shy away from just making an impression review, which I don't have a problem with when I'm looking for an impression review. But people watching the channel, most of them are not interested to just hear me say, see, look, it's good. And then that's kind of the end, end of it. Um, so sometimes there's been less uh, fodder for those kinds of things. I remember with uh, New Moon Rising, I stumbled on a perspective while watching it that I realized I agreed with. I knew it was going to be contentious. And... It was sort of it sort of explained why I had uh, emotionally felt on some level like the episode didn't work for me, but never figured it out before. And um, I, I I believe it was the structure of I mean you can go watch the New Moon uh, Rising video if you're interested. But I started grumbling and begrudgingly put the script together that I felt was honest and the way I actually thought about the episode and published it. And it kind of landed the way that I, I thought it did. Some people said, oh, yeah, I, 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 I didn't realize that I felt this way about the episode until you said this. Um, but a lot of people disagreed with me. But the thing is, and we're always kind of taking this perspective, I, 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 I don't know that people realize they'd rather I make a video they disagree with than one uh, in which I'm not honest. But that said, um, every experience I've had, most of the time when I write about an episode, it becomes more, um, more fun and more interesting for me. But um, the, the rare times that hasn't happened, once the video is recorded, edited, and published, and I rewatch the episode, I, I'm not wearing the critic hat or the, the analysis hat. And so I, I, it, it, it's never a permanent reduction, or at least it hasn't been so far. You know, I can just kind of ignore it and, and um, enjoy the episode again, and which, thank God. Uh, Hannah on Twitter asks, You mentioned parks and recreation here and there. I'd love to hear more about your relationship with the show. Yes. Uh, parks and recreation is my big, comfy blankie of a show. I've become more and more a vocal advocate of it because 
I realized just kind of based on how much I quote it, how much I, I watch a little bit of Parks and Recreation every night. It helps me relax and go to sleep. And, um, but I've now seen it hundreds of times. I don't know about hundreds for the whole season, but uh, quite a bit. Um, I've also found it can be kind of a hard sell, partially due to its pedigree. The show was originally created by, or the show was created by Michael Schur, and was in, originally intended to be a follow-up to a follow-up and occurring in the same universe as The Office. Uh, Michael Schur actually played um, oh dead air because I totally forgot his name. Dwight's cousin. Uh, on the show. Michael Schur, after this, went on to create The Good Place, which um, I know, I think more people have warm, fuzzy feelings about it. Consequently, the first season of Parks and Recreation has this incredibly dry feel to it that ends up not being representative of the series at all. I've talked to a lot of people who said they tried watching the show but found it boring, and invariably it was because they started with the first season. Don't do that. Start with season two, episode one. That is the season where the show um, finds its own unique voice, <clears throat> which is almost nothing like The Office, except that I find them both funny. Um, and you'll pick up on the relationships quickly enough, I don't think. It's necessary to watch the first season. If you get through season two and then the show grows on you and you enjoy it, I, I after I did that, I since I have since gone back and watched uh, season one. And it's funny. It has its place. It's just not a good jumping off point for the show. I love the show for a number of reasons. Once they got past season one, it was very funny. Uh, Andy is my spirit animal. In fact, there's a soundbite. Uh, I've sound boy. There's a sound bite uh, I've been meaning to create for this podcast that occurred when the writers had to explain why between seasons, when Chris Pratt got a Marvel deal, Andy suddenly lost a bunch of weight. And uh, just every time I've talked about my own journey when it comes to that kind of thing on uh, this podcast, I feel like I need that button to smack. Uh, the show is devoutly uncynical. I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. It's a bunch of good people trying to sort themselves out and do good things with their lives. As someone who's actively trying to combat his own cynicism and negativity, I find that comforting. It's kind of the, you know, the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Seinfeld are both kind of known for being shows about terrible people. And in a strange way, I feel like uh, Parks and Recreation might be their mirror opposite. Um both have their place, especially depending on your own type of humor, but I, Parks and Rec has been the one that I definitely go back to more often. I also can't think of a single story on the show that was driven by my least favorite of all plot tools, that friends staple the characters just keeping truths from each other to drive the drama. Uh, all the episodes are uh, plotted without that, um, which which I love. Parks and Rec has to be one of my favorite shows of all time. Easily my favorite sitcom. There will eventually be a why you should watch about it. Mariana on YouTube asks, you've probably touched on this before, but if it seems interesting to you, I'd like to know what other YouTubers you watch, even if they are completely different from your channel. Thanks. Thank you, Mariana. 
Uh, Mariana, my taste in YouTubers is probably a bit like my taste in music. Uh, predictable and mainstream. So there, are, I'll post some links to in the show notes. But <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the people I watch on the regular can probably be broken down by categories and reasons. There's a few YouTubers I watch because we're very close in age, and I find their work ethic um, and success inspiring. Wheezy Waiter is one of them. He's old school, been doing comedy videos for a long time, but recently has switched up his formula completely. He now does a lot of personal challenge-style videos. You know, uh, he did quitting internet for a month, quitting sugar for a month. Um, he's married and um, has a daughter, and, you know, they make appearances uh, uh, that I, I don't feel are gratuitous, but... You know, because he loves them and they're relevant to whatever he's talking about at the time and, and so forth. So it's, um, he's, he's great. He's, he's very nice. Uh, Rhett and Link on Good Mythical Morning. As I said, mainstream and predictable. I don't have an aversion to formula. My videos have their own formula. Um, and those two have made a brand out of finding a bright and cheery way to start the day. And the amount of content they put out is staggering. Uh, I would love to know how big their staff is. But they, you know, I, I, I think I talked in one of the Nerd Chipper videos about, oh, it was four things I learned on YouTube. You know, they they occasionally do the eating gross things uh, videos. Those videos tend to get views. I don't throw shade because of that. Like I said, it's... Um, I just admire their uh, success and sort of how they found their way into this, and uh, they have an interesting story and good chemistry together. Um, there are some YouTubers I watch because I'm jealous of their technique, even if their content isn't always in my wheelhouse. Someday I hope to be as good with uh, one-man band live action as Casey Neistat. Peter McKinnon's cinematography is also second to none. Um... I've grown uh, to have a number of friends now that I'm subbed to, uh, people doing the same grind, uh, going at this, After Show Reacts, uh, for instance, Chipperish, um, uh, there, there are a number of them. I guess the short list of drop everything to watch the new video they just published, people, going solely on people who publish regularly, not once in a blue mooners like Captain Christian, who is wonderful, but does about two videos a year. Those people would be Wheezy Waiter, um, How It Should Have Ended's movie reviews. The, the you know, the, his, the other videos are entertaining, but whenever they, um, I, I believe it's a guy does, uh, a movie review on that channel. I really love the way he writes. I really love how he, his, uh, reviews try and circle back to theme and sort of, uh, applying that theme to his personal life in a way of um, appreciating the movie. Good stuff. Uh, Adam on your movie sucks. Kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. I often do disagree with him, but I don't really care. I like him anyway. And um, again, I, I a lot of these people, I just really admire the work ethic. Uh, the Funhouse Movie Podcast is another one. Definitely a... Um, Group of people with good chemistry that I enjoy. Lindsay Ellis, of course, though I still haven't watched her latest. Red Letter Media, uh, when they're not doing best of the worst. I get it, just not my thing. And uh, one that I was grieving when they put up the notice that they were never gonna, not going to do another one is Every Frame a Painting. 
uh, when they were still making content. Thankfully, all of their old stuff is still up and worth a rewatch. I guess most of my go-tos are movie-related. Krista on Facebook asked, um, I would like a discussion about how much better the big fight in The Gift would have gone if everyone was actually aiming for saving the world and wasn't concentrating on their own agenda. Buffy's aim was on Dawn, Willow's was on Terra, Xander and Anya made it about their relationship. I think it's quite interesting how in that crucial moment to save the world, they all were still just human beings acting on their own selfish motives and their own needs. It's an interesting point, Krista. And I kind of um, chewed on it a little bit. I, I think with most Buffyverse seasons, there's a certain amount of inevitable fragmentation that occurs during the arc, whether it's Angel Investigations or the Scoobies. And that might just be the nature of story-driven conflict. You know, all of those characters needing to have a, a goal to achieve over the course of the season and their sort of being drama between them. Um, I think it's done in some seasons better than others. Uh, certain seasons of Angel drive me nuts uh, with the fragmentation. Sometimes it works well in Buffy, sometimes not. <clears throat> but in season five, it's working metaphorically as a symbol for Buffy's own internal conflicts that crescendo in the gift. Uh, the turn is her moment of dawning. No nothing? All right. The turn is her moment of dawning realization at the top of the tower, followed by a look of absolute joy and relief as she's figured out how to save her sister and save the world, um, doing her duty as the Slayer. Metaphorically, that unites the two halves of herself that were represented this season in Dawn and Glory. <clears throat> I mean, kind of spoiler for the rest of the episode guides, but... Uh, anyone who's been following for a little while has probably heard the, sh the spiel in the uh, top ten list. When she dives off the tower, the next thing we see after the portal closes is a panning shot of all of the Scoobies. No longer infighting or off on their own, but united around her. United in their grief. Yes, but united all the same. And as frustrating as those fragmentations can be from season to season, I personally can't see another way the gift should have gone. Um, you know, uh, definitely following the hero's journey and, and that moment of all hope being lost, it, it, it all kind of lines up. And then uh, all of the elements of the Scoobies being, um, I wouldn't say saddled, but having a metaphorical relationship to her, it, it, it makes a certain kind of sense to me. I'm not sure. And the other thing, too, is I, I feel like they were... If you're thinking maybe that that they could have saved Buffy by the end, I, I'm i not sure how the battle... How you think the battle uh, might have gone differently. But, um, but it was an interesting question. Um, <clears throat> on Facebook, Josh asks, uh, I found the commentary on how you motivate and are kind to yourself, particularly helpful in the other podcasts. If you have current thoughts on that, fire away. Well, lately, Josh, I find myself preoccupied with my behavior, My... Vannerisms? Um, I shared the boat story on... Uh, or in the Nerd Shipper series, and I'll link to it in the show notes. 
But briefly, I once found myself in the midst of a deep depression, early onset midlife crisis, and decided that my best approach was going to be to buy a 30-foot 1970s yacht in San Francisco and move aboard it. Now, here's how I would define a boat decision. Um, it's a solution to a problem I haven't consciously clarified for myself, shrouded with reasonable justifications and good intentions executed in the worst possible and most impulsive fashion. So with the boat, um, I came up with the idea, took one sailing class, did zero research on Bay Area laws, took on a bunch of debt, and discovered once I was living on it that I'm actually terrified of the ocean, terrified of and hate the ocean. I uh, have lived next to mountains for most of my life, I find everything to be better. And I don't camp. So that's a rant for a future one. Anyway, all of this occurred in the span of a couple of months, and I obsessed over the boat during that time. Like consuming... You know the way a... Um, here's how I would describe it. Or how, how I'm going to describe it as I reach for the idea. You know the way a uh, five-year-old we'll say 10-year-old, 9-year-old, covets the gift that they want for Christmas. Uh, they, they bring it up repeatedly. They think about it. They can't seem to move their mind past it. It's consuming. And, you know, maybe you, my friend, uh, learned how to control that as you proceeded into adulthood, I did not. And, uh, or, or rather in certain instances, that, that desperate desire for whatever the thing is comes back. And so part of what I've been thinking about, Josh, is what is that? Um, because it's been happening again. Um, so I obsessed over the boat for that time. I shopped on Craigslist for boats on sale every day. I subscribed to as many YouTube channels about liveaboards as I could find, and I had many friends and family who were pleading with me to take things slowly, do my research, all of which I ignored with my own passion and compulsiveness. They just didn't know what I did. I could do this. And I ended up uh, essentially setting my finances on fire for a good long time that took me a couple of years to recover from and having to leave San Francisco. It was one of the more eye-opening experiences to my life because uh, what I discovered after that happened and I got into therapy was I was actually just deeply uh, depressed. I was working from home in a city where I only knew one other person a year out from a breakup with a woman I had been engaged to. The days were catastrophically, deafeningly silent and lonely, and I became consumed with any ideas that had a chance of transforming that miserable situation. Which is why uh, my recent consuming interest in a van conversion... You know, yes, unicorn on the side. I was thinking of of a Tie Fighter with me flying it, or <gasps> me flying flyer, fly, flying fl flying flyer fly. <sighs> we can talk about what the wrap for the van is going to be whenever I uh, make that mistake. 
that's a mistake for a future conversation. Anyway, um, recent interest in the van has me equally concerned and confused. Now, the hallmarks of a boat decision are all here. I have no experience with conversions. Drywall? Uh, what? Um, I've subbed up to several van conversion YouTube channels, people who are living in their vans. Uh, I've caught myself compulsively surfing Craigslist and building out Dodge ProMasters online. I won't shut up about it to friends. It makes zero financial sense in my current situation. And I even drove over to the Dodge dealership in Boulder and stood in one for 20 minutes, feeling like I was about to pull the trigger before texting my friend BJ, uh, who is the one who had made me tie the van purchase to 100,000 subscribers. And BJ talked me down from the ledge. Now, Josh, here's what's confusing me. I'm not depressed. I mean, I have my off days and sometimes weeks. I'm particularly anxious. But I quit a job that wasn't filling me up to do this, which does. Uh, I'm very proud of the work that I've done in the last year. Yes, this living situation I've gotten myself in to make this work is challenging. I'm living with nine. Uh, um, there are nine people living in this house. Six of them. No, there are ten people living in this house. Six of them are not yet adults. Uh, but I have my privacy when I need it. <coughs> and when I was living alone in 2018 and earlier, I spent so little time around other people that it probably became unhealthy, too. Uh, I've learned a ton from being around this family. I have good relationships with them, especially the two-year-old. Now, that might be because she can't talk yet, but I'm going to take it as a plus. I'm, I'm putting that one in the plus column. And to some degree, I feel like I'm getting a chance to experience some of the things I was never going to as someone who is never going to have kids. That's a topic for a different day. Um, anyway... On top of all of that, am I thinking I'm going to live in a van conversion in Colorado down by the river? No. So, nonetheless, this compulsion uh, sneaks back up on me, and it has me puzzled, but I have a theory. Um, I've been prepping taxes, uh, and last week I took a look at uh, Patreon. Patreon income last year stayed almost the same the entire year, within a range plus or minus of about $100, which is fine, which is great, really. Patreon is what makes this possible. And I believe even at my current financial levels, I can sustain myself professionally. I was telling my roommate and father of six, Nigel, this, and he said, well, that's great, isn't it? And I said, yeah... But does that mean we're just going to keep doing this for five years or however long? I'm a tenant in this house and uh, making videos on the YouTube channel. He said, well, you could rent your own place. And I realized that wouldn't be the solution either. It's very hard for me to pin down. Um, so forgive me if this, is, uh, this feels kind of far afield. Um, I've known... A lot of people, when I've worked corporate, who always wanted to know what the next promotion was that they were working towards, the next step in their career path. And I never really had that, but I apparently do have this strange 
shark-like anxiety that for some reason my life is this thing that constantly has to be changing and in motion. I'm not talking about growth specifically. Uh, I have aspirations for the channel that feel to me ambitious and beyond my current skill set. My writing has gotten better the past year. I can't wait to see uh, how things are five years from now. I get terrified with public speaking and don't like speaking to celebrities, so I have applied to uh, do a panel at the Denver Comic-Con this year and be a moderator for three days. I firmly, for myself, have uh, made the distinction between, and I've talked about this all the time, happy, comfortable, and meaningful. And to me, meaning is is always kind of found at the edges of... of your comfort level. So I, you know, I, I, I actively pursue that kind of thing. And this entire podcast has morphed into me taking on healthy and positive things in my life, trying to make changes and, and, uh, share with you my workflow and, and, and work harder. Um, so it's not growth. It's just, here's what I think it is. I, I think, <laughs> This is so stupid and absurd. Uh, I think what it is is a fear of failure and a fear of success. I'm at a point in my life right now uh, where maybe there is nothing that needs to be fixed. There's no emergency to address. No fire to put out. There's no crisis to avert. And I think part of me finds that placidity so unsettling. There's just me settling in, being calm, continuing to do the work that I know I'm good at and can be even better at with time and effort. There's a handful of health and financial related things to address that I'm addressing and have my faith, uh, have faith in my ability to address. The future just looks good. <laughs> and that is terribly unnerving so much so that I think my brain is wildly striking out at changes I can make around me and maybe I'll get lucky screw something up and create a crisis for myself to address one of those might be a new vehicle I can't afford the purchase of which I've shrouded in exciting ideas and good intentions of a conversion I was having dinner with uh, someone I've been friends with for 20 years last night, and he said, yeah, I think it's normal for everyone to crave growth, but you've kind of built your life around that. And for as long as I've known you, though, Ian, you've never been able to just let things be and live your life. The last time I remember trying to settle down, which I, is, is what I would describe... <clears throat> This thing I'm grappling with, I guess. Uh, I was working at a job that was sucking the life out of me, drinking more and more, and engaged to a woman who said to me one day, "Ian, you're just you're just depressed all the time." And I told her, "I'm not depressed. <clears throat> I'm fine. Now look at me. I'm not I'm not feeling anything." And after we ended things, I realized that I had been depressed for years because I had abandoned any pursuits outside of our relationship that made me me. Uh, that is incidentally why I identify with and actually kind of like Riley in season five. 
But here I am years later in the opposite situation, and I and the thought of just settling into a happy, healthy, crisis-free daily routine that I can p- potentially see stretching far off onto the horizon fills me with vertigo. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't yet know what to do with that personal discovery. Uh, step one is always recognizing a pattern of behavior, I suppose. Um, but that's what's been on my mind uh, recently. <laughs> Josh, <laughs> might have been a little too much information, <clears throat> but that's okay. That's kind of what the podcast is for. So, um, all right, time to pick a, a random number for uh, Adventure of the Nerd next Saturday. So, my uh, Lonely Planet Colorado guidebook has uh, only a certain number of pages that are actually um, the locations themselves, you know, and the rest are sort of how-tos and whatever. So, here I am entering those pages, and I'm going to hit generate. I'm using Google's random number generator because... Going anywhere seem, feels equally unappealing <laughs> to me. And so, uh, again, this is a uh, pursuit of meaning uh, as sort of activity. But that being the case, you know, uh, may as well be a random number generator. Now, the, the thing is, Colorado is a very large state. It's not California large, but it's a big rectangle with a lot of uh, square footage. And there happened to be a big thing of mountains right down the middle of them. And there are locations in Colorado that are seven hours drive away. And there's always a chance that I'm going to get one of those uh, with the random number generator. And I'm going. I've just decided. But it makes these a little spicy. Maybe just for me. That's okay. Um... So, 56338, generate, and Saturday I am going to page 264. Uh, I got nervous. <clears> 264. <clears throat> <laughs> uh Ouray and the Million Dollar Highway. I've lived in Colorado all my life. I have no idea what that is. With gorgeous icefalls draping the box canyon and soothing hot springs dotting the valley floor, Ouray is one privileged place, even for Colorado, a wee of the Aspen and Vale. Um, for ice climbers, it's a world-class destination. For, but hikers and four-wheel drive fans can also appreciate its rugged and sometimes stunning charms. I'm not in that paragraph. <laughs> uh, the town is a well-preserved quarter-mile mining village, which was just like Minturn, sandwiched between imposing peaks. Between Silverton and Uray, uh, US 55, uh, 550 is known as the Million Dollar Highway. Okay, it sounds like I, I, after I came back from Mintern, I said it, it. I believe that there are a number of, uh, there are going to be a number of mining, or just old mining towns uh, up the mountains that are very similar. But it looks like there may be more to do than 
Minturn. So if you have any interest in watching me get out of my comfort zone, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. And Saturday I will be driving to Uray and documenting the trip. Last time we did the um, the aquarium and the Fernie uh, Museum of Transportation. All right. So, and in the meantime, this week I am working on the Angel episode, Dear Boy. Hope to have an edit stream this week and then uh, have that video up to you on Friday. Uh, before I get to the fanfic reading, I just want to let you know I'm Ian Nitrum on Twitter. YouTube.com slash Passion of the Nerd. Everyone here knows that. I should edit that out of the template. Uh, if you'd like to support the channel and keep me flush with Q-tips and socks that don't have holes in them, you can do so at Patreon.com slash Passion of the Nerd or by grabbing yourself uh, something from PassionoftheNerd.com slash store. There are book recommendations on there. Uh, shirts, book recommendations... <laughs> Oh, the uh, audio commentary I recorded with Lonnie for When Harry Met Sally. And new, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you may not realize this, but you can support me for free by using your monthly Amazon Prime Twitch subscription at twitch.tv slash the passion of the nerd. All right. Uh, let's get to Here Is Gone, Chapter 7 uh, by Terry Boda. So, I think at chapter 10, I'm going to post a um, catch-up file that is uh, the previous nine chapters, or I'll do chapter 10. I, I like round numbers, just like anyone else. But um, we have been with a reinsold Spike, who is It's a Wonderful life in himself, kind of. <clears throat> He's gone back in time to season five, and is trying to set a few things right. We had a very short chapter next time. I knew today... <clears throat> excuse me. We had a very short chapter last time, and I knew today was going to be kind of a long podcast, so I'm not going to do two this time, but I'll probably do two chapters next week. She left that evening to go shopping, and he knew that the day of Glinda's spell had come. He waffled on trying to decide when to head for the magic shop, but in the end decided to leave before Harmony returned so he could get there as the Leoc demons were arriving. He had, given, he had given some thought to killing them before they even got to the magic box, but ruled against it. If the Leoc demons had never come to the shop, Terra's spell would never have been revealed, and her family would have dragged her off, with her still thinking she was a demon. If he let things unfold the way they had before, with just some minor modifications, then the outcome would be the same, and Tara's family would be sent back home with a flea in their ear. When he arrived at the magic box, and Buffy didn't see him come into the training room, he knew that Glinda had already cast her spell. Positioning himself by the training door, he waited for the Leox to get there. He didn't have to wait long. Less than ten minutes later, the, demon, the three demons entered the magic shop and two came into the training room. He hid by the exit so they wouldn't see him when they entered. Buffy, behind you, he warned as the demon attacked. What the? Buffy gasped as she, struck, as she was struck by an invisible foe. Spike! I'm here, Buffy, but it's a Leoc demon. It's on your left. 
She swung left, her fist hitting the beast and sending it flying, but she still couldn't see it or Spike. Where are you? she demanded. Right here, he answered, standing next to her right shoulder. You can't see me. Someone's cast a spell of non-seeing. A what? Spike saw the second Leoc approaching and prepared to do battle. A spell of non-seeing. There's another one. It's coming at you from the left. Buffy took up a fighting stance. Are there any others? One more in the shop. He leaped and threw himself on the demon. I've got this one. You go help the others. He watched until she was out of the training room before turning to his opponent. Leoc demons were strong, but not very fast or bright, and Spike easily overpowered it. He killed it with the scythe he'd grabbed from the wall and hurried out to help Buffy. It was at about that time that Terra arrived with her family, realized what was happening, and revoked the spell, revealing the tableau of carnage and Buffy finishing off the Leoc she was fighting. What in God's name is that? Terra's father demanded after witnessing Buffy snapped the demon's neck. Leoc demons, fun little buggers. Big with the marrow sucking, Spike replied, coming out of the training room. I, I, I don't understand, Tara's father said. I'm not sure I do either, Buffy commented, looking down at Tara, who was huddled by the corner. I'm sorry, I, I'm so, so sorry. She was repeating over and over again. Willow approached her, confused and worried. I was just trying to, to hide. The, the spell went wrong. Tara, what? Willow asked. I didn't want you to see what what I am, Tara admitted, trembling. What are you? I told you. You try to run from it and you'll put these people in danger, Tara's father said, then motioned to the dead demon. And my God, I didn't mean for anyone to get hurt. I think you better explain. What do you mean what you are? Buffy demanded calmly. Demon, her father answered for her because she couldn't stop stuttering. The women in our family have demon in them. Her mother had it. It's where the magic comes from. This isn't something we generally like to share with strangers. We came to take her home before. Well, before things like this started happening. Tara, you're not... How could you not say something to me? To me, Willow asked, stricken and near tears. Tara looked away, unable to answer. Giles stepped forward. You put a spell on us to keep us from seeing your demon side. That's why we couldn't see our attackers. And nearly got us killed, Buffy pointed out, looking at Dawn. Tara rose to her feet unsteadily. I'll go. I'm very sorry. The camper's outside, her father said gruffly. Wait, go. She just did a spell that went wrong. Buffy, it was just a mistake, Willow begged, not wanting to see her lover leave. It's not the point, and it's not your concern. The girl belongs with us. We know how to control her problem, Tara's father insisted. Willow refused to leave it at that. Tara, look at me. I trusted you more than anyone in my life. Was all of that a lie? No, n no, Tara firmly denied. Do you want to leave? That's not your decision, young lady, Tara's father said. I know that, Willow snapped, then turned to Tara. Do you want to leave? Sniffing, Tara shook her head slightly. You are going to do what's right, Tara. Now I'm taking you out of here before somebody does get killed. The girl belongs with her family. I hope that's very clear to the rest of you, her father interrupted. Buffy looked at Dawn, then at Tara, the wheels turning in her head. 
Spike watched the lights come on behind her green eyes and had to smile. It is. You honor, Mr. McClay. I may have mispronounced that. You go ahead and take her, Buffy said in the Slayer voice, crossing her arms and facing the man. You just gotta go through me. What? Tara's father blurted. You heard me. You want to take Tara out of here against her will. Then you gotta come through me, Buffy repeated calmly. Dawn stepped up to stand beside her sister and me. That's my girls, Spike thought, biting his bottom lip to keep from smiling with pride. Then he looked over at Tara to see what was happening, register on her face. No one's ever fought for you, eh, Glinda? It's a good feeling, isn't it? <sighs> I like it. And we'd like to do another one, but we're at an hour and four minutes, so I'm going <clears> to <throat> go ahead and end there. All right, my friends. That's all I've got. Bit of a weird one. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> They're just going to be that way sometimes. Thanks for spending your time with me. I appreciate it. You'll have, you have no idea. Uh, we'll see you in a week.